open verse tonight, and it is verse 74. And I'll read verses 73 and 74. Your hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you will be glad when they see me because I have hoped in your word. I thought it would be beneficial, I trust, tonight as we have come through the Easter season and as we thought about the resurrection of Christ and that Christ has been raised above and he is interceding for us and we too in union with him. We have been raised up to newness of life and we are called to walk and to live in new ways. And then in light of the verse this morning that we particularly looked at, Hosea, or excuse me, Micah 6.8, well, you know, where we are called, what 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 has the Lord called us to, to, to live in just ways, righteous ways, and to love mercy or loving kindness, and to walk humbly with our God. God is concerned about his name. He's concerned about his own reputation. And he says, I will not give my glory to another. And here, as we think of Israel in the days of Micah, it is a very dark time. And God, being the holy God that he is, he must judge sin, even when it's found in his people. And uh, he is concerned not only about them and what he is going to bring about in the future, but for his own reputation, his own glory. And uh, God, his purpose for his people is that they may be a holy people. And several years ago, I think I had preached this sermon. I thought it would be good for us to look at it again. And I've entitled this, What do others see as they watch me? What do others see as they watch me? Taken from verse 74. Those who fear you will be glad when they see me because I have hoped in your word. Um, So we want to look at this verse here tonight. And we see, first of all, David's very what we might say, a very bold assertion. He says, those who fear God will be glad as they observe my life. Of course, what we want to ask tonight is the question, what do people see as they would observe my life? As they are, you know, have a front row seat to my life, what are they seeing? What is being displayed and what is being um, seen as they observe my life? And here he says that as they observe my life, they will be glad. They will be glad. That's a pretty bold assertion. Yet David writes this. I believe this is David writing Psalm 119. Some debate that. But as he's writing this, he's writing it under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. And who is it that will be made glad? Well, he tells us it's those who fear you, those who fear the Lord God. It's a reverential fear for God, those who know and love God. Romans 3.18 says, There is no fear of God before the eyes of the wicked, before the unbeliever. Grace changes the heart, doesn't it? Grace makes us, rather than being alienated from God, having enmity in our heart toward God, grace by the new birth brings about a circumcised heart brings about a reverence 
for the name of God. He is to be feared. What does the third commandment say? You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And implied in that, you are to revere your God. You're not to belittle him by your words or by your life. Um, you're not to take his name in an in a inappropriate way, a disrespectful way. But rather, you are to fear him and you are to respect him positively. The New English Translation translates this verse, Your loyal followers will be glad when they see me, for I hope in your word. And there were a remnant always in the Old Testament of believers who there was always an Israel within Israel where there was a deep-seated reverence for God, his name, his weightiness. When we, when we talk about the glory of God, that word glory is a word that is associated with weight, heaviness. Um, I was listening to one of the messages from Ligonier, and I can't remember who it was, but he was, I think, from Africa. And as he came to the United States and had spent time here, and been in many Christian circles, he said one of the things that stood out is the weightlessness of God among many people that he was around. There's just these trivial light views that it seems many churches, many Christians have, rather than the glory of God, which is weighty. Um, and so those who reverence his name seek to honor his name, don't take his name in vain, but they hallow his name and they esteem his name, his person, and his works. So this is who David has in mind, those who have a heart to love God and to fear him. These are the ones that as they view my life, as they see me, uh, they will be glad. They will be glad. And the word that he uses here, those who fear you, uh, those who fear you will be glad when they see me. The, the verb that is used there, they will see when they see me. Uh, it's, it's not just a casual look or a momentary look, but it is a concentrated and over a period of time kind of uh, observation to observe, to watch, to give attention to, to look upon something and observe it. Um, it's used eight times in Genesis 1 when God made the heavens and the earth. He saw it, and he was glad. It was, or it was good. He made the grass and the herbs and the fruit trees, and they are yielding their seed according to their kind. And God saw it, and it was good. He created the light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also, and he saw it, and it was good. So as God looked upon his creation, what he had made. As he observed it, he said, it is good. And we get to the end of Genesis 1, and we see in verse 31, behold, everything that God made was exceedingly good. And so it's this idea of not just a casual look, but to look and to observe something very closely. So David is able to say, as others are observing my life, not just a casual glance, but as they observe my life over an extended period, what does it invoke in them as God-fearing people? As they observe my life, David says, amazingly, he says, that they are made to be glad as they observe my life. And I think 
That's a pretty bold assertion, isn't it? It's a pretty bold assertion by David. But what is the reason for this assertion and for this gladness? Well, the reason for this assertion is because, he says, the reason is I have hoped in your word. Because I have hoped in your word. Those who revere God are made to be glad as they observe David. They wait and uh, observe his life. And they are glad because he is one who has hoped in his word. In Psalm 89, we have these words of David. I have made a covenant with my, or the Lord says, I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to my servant David, your seed I will establish forever and build up your throne to all generations. I have exalted my one, cho- my, my one chosen from the people. I have found my servant David. <clears throat> I have found my servant David. With my holy oil, I have anointed him, with whom my hand shall be established. Also, my arm shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not outwit him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. So in one sense, all of David's hopes and all the people of God as well, both in the Old Covenant and even under the New Covenant, is tied up with promises that have been made to David and also to to Abraham. So their hopes are encouraged as they observe David, as they are in the presence of David, and as he perseveres, they are made glad as they watch David, as he is trusting in the Lord and these many, many promises that have been made to him. Yet we are well aware, aren't we? David, um, like his promised seed, was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. His life was plagued with difficulties, with distresses, hardships, some of it coming from his own family, from Saul, from his enemies, both within and without in Israel. And often, often I'm sure that David must have looked at his life and and thought to himself, it seems that God's providential dealings with me seem to be almost going contrary to his promises to me. I mean, Saul, who is trying to kill him, throwing javelins at him. His promises and yet his providence, they seem to be contrary to one another. It seems maybe that these promises might have fallen to the ground. And sometimes we can feel like that, can't we? That God's providential dealings with us may seem to go contrary to his promises in his word. So David knew what it was to have ups and downs, but he was one who persevered. He is one who lived in the hope of these promises in the big picture. Uh, This waiting and this hoping on David's part was not passive. He was often, like us, fighting for faith, fighting for joy, contentment, peace, and hope. Um, Our our default setting is not to faith, is it? Um, And so we, as Paul says, we must fight for faith. And we know that David, in his own life, failed on many occasions. But I think the big picture here is that David was one who ultimately was trusting and hoping in the Lord. Some uh, Here in verse 81, my soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your word. 147, he says there, I rise before the dawning of the morning and I cry for help. 
I hope in your world, your word. So, so hoping in the word of God and the promises of God was not, wasn't, wasn't a, you know, a stroll through the park. It was in some hard and difficult things where he was called to trust the Lord. Psalm 69, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary with my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. What a wonderful picture here. Hard things for David. Feels like he's almost drowning. But yet in the midst of all of this, I wait for my God. It's hard, it's difficult, but I'm waiting for my God, for his purpose to prevail. Um, And so this is the thing that David mentions here that stands out, that as people look at him, he's one that is hoping in the Lord and trusting in his word. Um, Even at times when it seems that he's on the edge of despair. Sometimes we've been there, haven't we, maybe? We are not immune to this, where we can lose hope and we can be near despair. The enemies might say of us, as they did in Psalm 115, where is your God? Where is your God? Look at, look at your life and look at what's going on uh, among you, your people Where is your God? But the response of the psalmist was, our God's in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. I love that uh, psalm. And even with David's own failures, he might be tempted to think, have I sinned away God's grace? Have I sinned away God's grace? Yet as he battles for faith, uh, he ultimately comes to hope in the word of the Lord and the promises of God. It's the 15th round, and David's still standing. So here's, as we look at this verse, here's what I think we ought to ask ourselves. Would those who fear God, my brothers and sisters in the Lord, who are believers, who fear God, as they would observe my life, especially in difficult times, we are seeing a lot of changes in our culture, in our world, But as they would observe my life, what would they see? What would be their conclusion as they observe my life? Would they be caused to be glad and rejoice as they see uh, what they see in my life? Um, So if other believers might be given to fear and anxiousness, would my life be a means to make them to be glad in the Lord God because I trust in him. Uh, Jesus, we are told, is a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. And whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. It's a wonderful promise, isn't it? Those who trust him, they will never, ever be ashamed. They will never, ever be disappointed. Ten billion years into eternity, we will not be ashamed that we trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, nor should we be here in this life. So we want to secondly look at what might be some of the reasons for this gladness that David speaks about when those who fear God, when they see David, observe his life, 
carefully. They're made to be glad. What might be some of the reasons that they are made to be glad? We're just going to look at three tonight. Maybe you can be thinking of some as we go through here. But what's it like when we see another believer faithfully walking with the Lord, following Christ? How does that enliven our hope and, and our joy and make us to be glad? The first one I suggest is that those who fear God are made glad because God's name has been exalted. They see someone who's trusting the Lord and walking faithfully, and uh, those who fear the Lord um, are made to be glad because it is exalting and it is lifting up God. He's being displayed through their life by how they are living, how they're resting and hoping in God and his promises. They're not anxious and worked up, but they're trusting in the Lord and hoping in him. And it reflects well upon their God. So Psalm 89, verse 7, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by all those around him. So among God's people, he's to be reverenced. And therefore, those who fear God, they are gladdened when this happens. They rejoice whenever his worth, his glory, his beauty is displayed. And it makes them to see their God and to, to be encouraged in him and who he is. Um, so Psalm 19, the heavens are declaring the glory of God. And it causes us to rejoice, <clears throat> to, to give thanks. And here, they're not watching the creation, but they're watching a new creation. And as people would observe our life, are they seeing the glory and the beauty of God Are we hoping and trusting and waiting on the Lord to fulfill his promises and walking in his ways? And in doing so, we are displaying something of the glory of God. He is worthy of our trust. I can trust him. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him, Job said. Amazing statement. Especially when providence seems contrary to promise. That elevates the worth of God, who he is, his value. And such reflects, again, a high view of God. He has dealt compassionately with me. He's not dealt with me according to my sins. He is a promise-making, a promise-keeping God, and I hope in him. And those who fear him, they're made to be glad, even as David's, uh, uh, those in his life were made to be glad. So God is made big in the eyes of his people. Psalm 34, 1 and 2, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my, in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The, the humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord together with me and let, hit, let us exalt his name together. Matthew 5, 16, Jesus says, let your sh- light so shine before men that they may see your good works and what? Glorify your Father who is in heaven. As they observe my life, their cause to see the fingerprints of God's grace, his transforming power, and to make me more like Christ, and they are caused to glorify our Father who is in heaven. So this was what David did. He hoped in the Lord and his trust in his word, even when things were hard, brings the saints, not to glorify David, but to glorify David's God. 
Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name be glory. So such faith and hope in God's word promotes his glory and his people are made to be glad when he is exalted. And isn't that true? We think of Job. We know that Job didn't perfectly handle the struggles that he, or the difficulties that he had. But early on, he said this, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Wow. You see a man that has lost so much and able to worship God and say that it just lifts up our love and our worship of God. Even when Job's wife was saying him, you still hold to your integrity, yet Job worshiped his God. Think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Boys, you're going into the fiery furnace. And unless you bow, you're going in the fiery furnace. Well, they tell the king, you know, our God is able to deliver us. We trust him. And he, we believe, is going to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow the knee. We're going to trust him. He does all things well. Doesn't that lift up and exalt the character of God? I'm going to trust him even if I go to my death in a fiery furnace. He is worthy of my obedience, my trust. Listen to these words of Paul, 2 Corinthians 4. As a minister of the gospel, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed. We're perplexed but not in despair. We're persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always caring about in the body the dying of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 15, these words, For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. All these things that I've gone through, Paul says, is, is going to bring about in them this giving of thanks and giving glory to, to God. And so as we watch people living life, sometimes in hard places, we see them, we are encouraged because God is exalted, God is lifted up. So the question is, what do others see as they watch me? Is God made big to them as they would observe my life? Are they made glad in God? Or does my life convey a message that, you know, it's tough serving this God because we grumble and we complain. We're discontented. Uh, we, when we do that, we undermine his glory. We undermine his great worth. But as we trust him and hope in his word, God is lifted up. God is exalted. He is made to be uh, magnified and glorified. So may God help us that we may do that. Our life really does become a pulpit, doesn't it? We have the privilege as we live our life, whatever spheres we live it, to magnify God, to make him known in the little things and in the big things by how, how we live. Our life can say he is worthy. Worthy is the lamb to receive glory and honor and blessing. May God make us to be such a people. Then secondly, those who fear God are made glad because their own faith is strengthened. 
when I'm watching another believer who is persevering, sometimes through some hard and difficult things, it helps my faith. I am helped as I observe them. John Gill said, because David's hope was confirmed and not disappointed, and so it made him not ashamed, others rejoiced at it because it was an encouragement to their faith and hope likewise. So as we observe faithful servants seeking to honor the Lord, hope in his word, and obey, we are helped by that. And so it was with David's life as these people observed them. Listen again to David, Psalm 69. Waters have come up to my neck, draw near to me, uh, draw near to my soul and redeem it. Deliver me because of my enemies. You know my reproach and my shame and my dishonor. My adversity, adversaries are before you. Reproach has broken my heart and I'm full of heaviness. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. The humble shall see this and be glad. The humble will see it and they will be glad. And you who seek God, your heart shall live for the Lord hears the poor and he will not despise the prisoner. Psalm 27, I would have fainted unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. So here's David speaking to himself, but he's also speaking to us as well. Wait upon the Lord. He is good. We can hope in his word. Listen to these words of Spurgeon. God-fearing men are encouraged when they meet with experienced believers. A hopeful man is a godsend when things are declining or in danger. When the hopes of one believer are fulfilled, his companions are cheered and they are established and led to hope also. It is good for the eyes to see a man whose witness is that the Lord is true. On the other hand, Despondent spirits spread the infection of depression, and hence few are glad to see them, while those whose whose hopes are grounded upon God's word carry sunshine in their faces and are welcomed by their fellows. Do we carry that picture of sunshine in our faces, our love for Christ, our obedience to him that is a help to others? And we are, we are grateful, I am grateful throughout my life that there have been people that I, as I observe their life, have again picked, painted a picture of a big God and invite me to join with them in trusting him even in the midst of their hard and difficult trials. So what do others see as they watch me? Do they see someone who is resting and trusting in him and encouraging them to do the same And then thirdly and lastly, there is a gladness because of David's greater son. Um, David persevered in his faith, but he stumbled. He had lapses, but his greater son will have none. He will be holy and innocent and undefiled. He was the faithful one, and it is in him that our hope rests ultimately. He was faithful even in the face of temptation, trial, and difficulty, He was faithful, and it is in this one that we rest and we trust in. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. So what do others see as they observe my life? 
What are they observing? Are they seeing one who hopes in the word of God, trust in it, seeking to live in obedience to that word? Well, may God make it to be so in our lives. Just real quickly, maybe some thoughts have come to your head of how is it that when we observe someone walking faithfully with the Lord that we have been helped or benefit that comes to us? Has anything popped in anybody's mind? Yes, yes. We're helped, yes, as we observe their life, persevering. God promises us the grace that he's giving them as well. Exactly. All right, well, let's stand and we'll be dismissed with a word of prayer. Lord, tonight as we come to the end of this day, we pray that it has been a day of grace for us, a day to help us, challenge us to follow hard after Christ. And uh, Lord, we pray that we may be um, those who by our life would adorn the doctrine that we believe and, and uh, our hope is in. May we adorn it by our lives and how we live. May others be caused to be glad as they would observe our life. Make that to be more and more true. Thank you for, again, the provisions of your grace for us. Whatever situations we find ourselves in, we are thankful for your compassion towards us and your love for us to shape us and to mold us to be more like Christ. As we enter into this new week, we pray you will go with us and may we seek to live for your honor and glory. We pray and ask these things for the glory of the Christ who loved us and who gave himself for us. Amen. All right, we got desserts there and we want to have them eaten up. So if you can go back in the back there, we'll get them out. Love to have you help us.